5: So hypothetical, right? <laughs> okay. So you, you're married. Sure. Okay. The future. All right. And you love your husband, mm-hmm. right? I would hope so. Okay, I hope so too.
6: Yeah.
5: Do so you know the store Ross and Marshalls? Yeah. Okay. So a pair of Nike socks at Marshalls, you could get like three for sometimes two ninety nine. Okay. At the Nike store, they're like fourteen ninety nine. Yeah. Ten ninety nine, fourteen ninety nine. If you're going to go buy a pair of Nike socks, would you go to Ross, Marshall's, or would you go to the Nike store?
6: Thoughts? I think that's a two-part answer.
5: Oh, interesting.
6: I obviously, in this scenario, Ross sounds like the better deal. But the bigger question is, what is your time worth? Are you already purchasing a pair of Jordan 1s or a sneaker at the Nike store? And does your time cost more for you to then drive to Ross to save $5? Or does it make sense to buy the difference and just buy the socks while you're there?
5: You're not at the store, it's not just, at the store. Need, just just need socks, socks and nothing yeah.
6: else. Go to Ross, right? Yeah, or Marshalls, or or no matter. How, you can get. No
5: matter if you win the lottery or not.
6: I feel like it just you can also shop for other stuff. It depends what you want to do, you know.
5: Wait, wait, you're not answering their question. So you won't. No, to, I said I'd go okay.
6: to I, Ross. Makes more sense uh-huh. financially, but if I wanted to go buy some Nikes, I might go shop at a Nike store. And then, if I'm already there, then maybe I'll just buy the socks there versus then making a second trip.
5: You know, so this Ross test, right, was something I, I worked with this like super, super famous like superstar actor once, right? I'm gonna name names, and they announced that his family was going to come visit set, and his mother had a bag from Ross mm-hmm. and had stuff that she had bought from Ross. Even with all the money that this family has, the value system from the mother. And then, of course, like there's a time for luxury items, right? But then the fact that she did not care that she went to Ross and bought these items and handed it to this guy, right? With no, Mm -hmm. like, there was no shame. There was no embarrassment. There was no pretense. It really, really impressed me. And I was like, I think that is a great value system to have. I mean, look, I'm not against like bad things, sure. you know, or expensive things. Or,
6: Truthfully, if I were to buy socks, I'm probably going to buy them on Amazon. <laughs> yeah, nowadays. <laughs> yeah. 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 Who,
5: you don't even need to go to Ross anymore. <laughs> yeah. but, you know, that's the place that me, me and my wife used to go on dates. We used to go to IKEA.
6: I love IKEA. Right.
5: And then walk, walk around, around and, get lost, and then yeah. go eat in the cafeteria. Yeah, the meatballs. Yeah. 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 Because it was like so cheap. It was like under like 10 bucks you could eat for two people. That would be a date. And then we would go to a Marshalls in way deep in North Hollywood. That was like the... They called it... The managers there called it the flagship Marshalls of the Valley.
6: There is a place deep in North Hollywood. I forget the name of it. Where I used to buy my shoes. And it'd be like 10 to $20 a pair of shoes. And it was this giant like... I could find it on a map. I couldn't tell you the name of it. Because I don't even know if it had a name. Um, but it was this giant warehouse, but then there'd be like a hundred different little stores inside of it, but it wasn't even like stores. They'd be like like tents almost, and they would just kind of lay the shoes or whatever, and everyone had their own little section. You kind of walk through these rows of like different shoes lined out. It's like a swap meet. Swap meet, yeah. Oh. Yeah, it was a swap meet, but it was of new stuff.
5: Yeah, my college roommate had parents sold Nikes at a swap meet. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a thing back in the day.
6: That's where I got my shoes for a while the Same thing,
5: right? They weren't I, fake. I,
6: no, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I thought they were, I wasn't buying like name brand, I just needed protection from my feet. Yeah.
5: Well, anyway, thanks for answering that yeah. question. I think you'd be, you'd make a good wife. <laughs> Thank you. All right, <laughs> let's move on to our next guest. Uh, we have our friend Ed Lowe, editor in chief of Motor Trend. That's right. Fascinating human being. Yeah. The great history. It just, I think there's this like, wisdom that he has
6: and he's always been very passionate about education um, whether it's teaching at high school or even just helping teach on the internet the history and love for for cars what a
5: great ambassador and we just learned a lot about his history and, and also the future of the car industry so we get to sit down and listen to a progressive thinker talk about the future
6: yeah, so without further ado Ed Lowe
5: Ed, even though he is a car aficionado editor, car guru, E V forward thinking gentleman, he's actually a, a a huge green thumb. Right? I mean, you compared yeah. to a lot of other people. Like you, you are into gardening. I like to I like a little bit. My wife's more into it. I like to cook
7: what we grow and more. What do you anything. grow? What do you grow? We got like peppers. We grow like I like I like. Hot Saw a things. picture of that. I like you, serrano peppers. Pepper? Uh, no, I like serranos. I'm a big serrano, serrano pepper guy. I don't know. We got like, tomatoes, little little tomatoes, and strawberries. I've been
6: wanting like, to do like a strawberry garden, like a little area, but I travel so much yeah. that I'm worried I'm gonna kill this plant.
5: What about just citrus? I have I have 369 trees.
6: Wait, what? Is the your place I that big? this
5: house is because I have a. Full orchard. Oh, nice! It's, we have so much citrus. You have avocados? I have avocado, but it, it,
6: avocados it, are hard.
5: Yeah, this for the past two years, nothing. But the year so three years ago, it was like everywhere. Avocados are like gold. You know how much you can get for organic <laughs> avocados. Like that's <laughs> how come? How come avocados are Slung not non- and fruits consistent? and vegetables?
7: I don't know. It's a good question. I grew up actually on avocado. I grew up, I grew up outside of um, a little town uh, about sixty miles north here, Camarillo, and we had avocado. We had, a, we had a small avocado orchard, and I had to pick avocados from my parents. Really? They actually, all that whole area, this is Ventura County, they've they've all shifted all of the, from avocados. For, for a while, it was oranges and lemons, and then went to avocados. Now, everybody's taken all of their trees down, and they put these um, big greenhouse-type setups, and they're growing mm. all sorts of high-value, more expensive crops, mm. and also weed. But it's mostly... They've moved away from avocados, maybe because it's it's so hard. I think all of our avocados come from Mexico now.
5: Mm. Scott Brian Scotto, he has an avocado. Yeah, he does like farm. So I grew up with like a greenhouse like attached to right. our like backyard. My mother was like the neighborhood, you know, like plant rescuer. Right. So she would she had this greenhouse, and then people's plants that you buy at the grocery store would right. be, start dying, and they would just give it to her. And then. Like twice a week, I would have to like put all the water and the food. And then it would all come back to life, right? So I feel like I have this connection to plants, right? Mm-hmm. So the avocado tree was like no avocados every year. So then I went down and I just started talking to the tree. Oh, really. I was like, <laughs> hey, avocado tree? Come on, man. like Give us some avocados. I, I love it. And
7: well, well did, did it work?
5: It worked. That year, then I stopped and no more avocados. And so this particular tree, you have to go down. It's like a it's like a dog. It's like a, a, a living like right. creature. You have to go. You have to like kind of talk to it. You have to clean the right. area, right? And then it, it's fruitful. And then I haven't been doing that.
6: But it's a thing for plants to like play like Beethoven and Mozart, right? Has, hasn't there been studies we to show that? We used to
7: do that, that at the greenhouse. Yeah. I just read an article about apparently plants can actually, they've proven they can communicate with each other. Um, There's some weird, like they release something in the air and the other plant. There's a weird science experiment that demonstrated this. But yeah, I feel like everything that's living, you know, could stand with some more love and attention. So that's probably all you were doing.
5: And then we had a conversation years ago. Was it you that suggested for me to put like a fish head into the ground? (laughs)
7: There yeah. yeah so right, right. well that's a
5: that's uh I, I had this conversation with, with like you, about the a tree. no no
7: no yes, it is. This is I mean this is I learned this like I was like in third grade and this is like I grew up in an era where Thanksgiving was a thing that they taught in school about how the, the, the Indians and the call and the you know the colonizers all got together. We know that wasn't true. But back then, apparently the Indian way of uh planting corn was you would dig a hole, drop a corn seed in there, drop a little fish covered up and the thing would Huh. It's, it's there, there's your fertilizer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. But these days, you can just buy like a bag of fertilizer.
5: But I don't want to use fertilizer. That's, that, I'm very proud. I have no fertilizer in my like orchard. You
7: compost though? Composting? Nothing. Oh, you should compost. Why? This is why I think you're saying I'm a I'm a green thumb. I'm, like, I'm not really a green thumb. I just like to. I was composting. We we moved. We recently moved, but at the old house, I had this giant like 40 gallon drum composter, and we would just dump coffee grounds. Vegetable peels, apple cores, and if you and you put newspaper, so you put the dry stuff and the and the white paper in there. My neighbor actually he was a science teacher. He's like, "Hey, I'm gonna put some earthworms in there. I just get a little thing of earthworms." And literally, the next six months later, the entire compost bin it was probably forty gallons of huge earthworms, and it was awesome. It was so rad. We could just dump stuff in and it would just all be composted, be eaten up by the earthworms. Mm-hmm. And they, the waste, the liquid waste that's created is called, um, it's basically called liquid gold. You can bottle it up and sell it. That's, really? That is amazing. And it's all organic. It's all super clean. It was hilarious because I did that for a long time. And then two years ago, we had a really hot summer and it killed all my, all my poor earthworms. Oh no. So I couldn't, I wasn't there. I couldn't cool them down. You just raised more. Oh. Sad. I'm worried about
5: rats though. No.
7: Won't happen. No. no, no. If you do it correctly, and this is what beauty of compost. I can't believe we're talking about this, but beauty of <laughs> composting is if you have a big piece of property, you don't need, this drum system you can buy is for people who live in a city. You just dig a big hole, you dump the the scraps out, and then you cover them. The rats, they can't smell it, they're too lazy to dig in there. Just turn it over, it creates heat, it keeps itself warm during the winter. And you have this amazing fertilizer, just giant pile of fertilizer. And you do one over here, and after that gets all full, you need to let it go for like a couple of weeks, you start another one over here, and then you just kind of alternate. It's great.
5: Mm. Should do oh, it. I have a perfect area for that compost. Yeah,
7: yeah, You could package it up, put your face on it, say Sung's Organic Compost. <laughs> yeah, I would like a cut of that.
5: I'll help you. I could do that. Yeah, let's do it. No, because dead plant starts to really stress me out. Like, I feel like bad things are going to happen, right. Mm. right? Like, even... And birds, like I'm very superstitious on plants and birds, right? Mm. So so anyway, we had a prune tree, gigantic prune tree. It was like every year would like like give me all of these great prunes and I would make jam out of it, mm-hmm. right? And I told the, the dude, I was like, dude, you got to cut those branches because it's going to topple over. And he's drunk oh, all yeah. the time. And, 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 he, and, then, and then the over. winds came and then it toppled the whole. This was like a massive tree and i got so depressed i almost sold the house i was like we have to it's a sign from nature telling me to leave right and then my next door neighbor he he has like great great gardeners and i and i talked to the guys this this soil like you know unhealthy And he's like no it's just cuz it's too top heavy it's like we can plant something else and it'll grow right away so we put in a lemon tree and it's like it's so healthy right but then I'm also the birds like in my like one of the back doors and then in the main front door there are these birds that create nests right other people would shoo these birds away Mm -hmm. right but I'm superstitious like I'll feed them because it's a sign of like good luck but there's bird shit all over the fucking but I don't mind cleaning it but they're probably snacking on the fruit on the trees too yeah for sure yeah yeah Maybe we should start talking about some car stuff. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I'm happy. I'm I know. This has been a nice change
6: of pace. Yeah.
5: But it, it's how you kind of keep balance with your life, right? It's like, I think people forget that uh, editor from Motor Trends <laughs> does his own composting. I probably get
7: more inquiries about the cooking that I do because I like to cook a lot. I, and I post that mostly on social. Like, I'm like the worst. If you want to follow somebody, me for car stuff, you're going to be disappointed because I'm going to... I'm likely going to talk about how much I love minivans or something. I'm not going to show you, you know, like my co-host on our podcast, Johnny, is always showing you the latest Porsche he's driving. I'm like, yeah. I, I might do that at a car show if I'm there next to one, but I'm more apt to show you what my kid is doing with his toys or what I'm cooking that do you, evening. Do for you him.
6: make bread? I... Because I, I know that's the, a whole thing. I was
7: on the bread train probably more before anybody. Um, <laughs> anybody in the social or automotive sphere. And I'll even call out again, Johnny Lee, Lieberman, my co-host. Like, oh, I make great bread. He does make pretty good bread. Shots I will say, fired. I was, way, I was on it way before. And I can tell you how. Because there was an article written in the New York Times about it. So I, I believe me, I'm not the only one. The entire other, the world has known about... Uh, Sullivan Street Bakery in New York, uh, Jim Leahy's no Need bread recipe. This article came out like 2006. And it is the best recipe for the amateur, I want to get into making bread at home. It's literally three scoops of flour, a cup and a half or a little bit more water, a quarter teaspoon of yeast, and like a little bit of salt. You mix it up, you leave it on the countertop for 24 hours, and it's this huge mass of bubbling bread dough. Punch it down, fold it up, put it into a preheated oven with a pot or a cast iron pot, Dutch oven or whatever, and you'll have the most amazing boule, like this little ball, this big like soccer ball sized bread with huge holes in it, and it is awesome to eat. And that dough is awesome for pizza.
5: So, are you the cook at home? You're the one yes. that's cooking all the meals, yes. pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. What's Edlo's specialty? The go
7: to dish lately, the one I like right now is this guy Kenji Alt Lopez. He's done a series called Serious Eats, so mm. SeriousEats.com is has really awesome recipes. And the one that I I cook a lot, probably my wife is so sick of it, is uh, chicken chili verde. So, chili verde. chicken chili verde. So you need an InstaPot. You dump the chicken thighs in it. You dump an uh, onion. You dump two different kinds of chilies, however spicy you want. Big gold tablespoon of cumin and just water or chicken broth. Put it on for 45 minutes, and you have this awesome shredded chicken chicken chili verde. Trust me, huge fan. So.
6: It's cool that you have hobbies outside of the car world. (laughs) You garden, you make bread, you are really what it sounds like great at cooking, and you have these hobbies, sustainable hobbies outside of automotive. Do you feel like cars is all work for you, or do you still get some personal enjoyment out of it?
7: No, I get a lot of enjoyment out of uh, this thing I do. I tell people all the time, like, I've never worked a day in my life, right? Like, I get to do this thing around cars. I love cars. Um, I think the big difference... Probably in the last few years, especially since having a kid, and just I'm a voracious consumer of social media. I'm all up in everybody's business. I'm the, <laughs> on the Instagrams. And so I'm seeing what everybody else is doing. And I don't necessarily want to do that or to have the Motor Trend team do that either. Mm-hmm. Right. So and I'm probably giving away way too much, but I I um a lot of the a lot of the other, a lot of our competitors or other people out there are like, oh, it's all about you know, save the manuals or all the, these, the, the death of the internal combustion engine and oh this, you you know, and I get it. You guys want to celebrate, like be very passionate about that's awesome, but there's this whole other world that's coming and it's not just EVs. I've been talking everybody at motor trends ear off about SDVs So software defined vehicles Mm. and the future of automotive and how huge this shift is. And I know a lot of people just, I don't want to hear it. I don't, you're talking EVs. I'm like, it's bigger than EVs. You don't can, understand. can you
6: talk a little more about a soft uh, an SDV?
7: Yes, totally.
6: So how long do you have?
5: As long as you need. <laughs> it all started,
7: it really did start with Tesla. Tesla created the first software-defined vehicle. And that vehicle was the Model S. Came out fall of 2012 as a 2013 model. And a software-defined vehicle... Has a number of key characteristics. It's probably an EV, okay? So it's going to change from internal combustion to having an electric power plant. Now it doesn't have to, which we get into, but it also had its entire electrical system, the the entire electrical architecture, all the computers, the little the, every the black box, anything you want to talk about, the wiring, everything designed from the ground up to talk to each other. Okay, it's very different from how cars have been produced. Cars have evolved, have iterated to where, hey, you know, the engine, the powertrain, the transmission, this whole thing came together and these guys all talk to each other. But then, oh, with the lights over here, it's a separate system. The brakes are, are separate. The steering, we'll get into steering by, steer by wire, but that's on its own sort of hardware loop.
6: Mm.
7: Nothing talks to each other. Tesla designed from the ground up, the entire car, all the sensors, all the systems talk to, talk to each other. And then it allows you to do all this fun stuff that you've heard about, right? So over-the-air updates, OTA. That's a big deal. That's a key definer of a software-defined vehicle. So, you know, when the Model S first came out, it had some really cool features, had this app. You know, you could find a charger. You could go charge your car. They kept iterating on that. They added fun stuff. You guys have seen like the light shows the Teslas mm-hmm. can do. Mm-hmm. You know, the Model um, X, the doors will open.
6: Yeah, the Cybertruck's doing a show now when you pick it up. Exactly. Yeah. Cybertruck's
7: got a show. Uh, you know, Tesla famously pushed out fart mode. So the mm-hmm. car will, there's a difference. in any Anywhere you sit, you can make a different fart noise. Hilarious mm-hmm. stuff, right? Like no other car manufacturer has that capability. They are very smart people spending millions and millions, billions of dollars trying to get to this level. And they're failing, like OTA, which is again, this foundation of a software-defined vehicle, the ability to update your car, like you update a phone, Mm. still not in widespread use across the industry. It's not going to be for a little
0: Mm. while.
1: And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy My Son in General. And we are your hosts of TMI. New Year, new name, new energy, but same old. Us. Oh yeah.
6: When you're talking about over-the-air updates, you're also talking about the fact that you can do an over-the-air updated performance package. It's not necessarily yes. just upgrades in terms of software, but your point is that performance-wise, they can add horsepower, they can take away, they yes. can yes. Um, do performance. Exactly. And and that's actually,
7: again, and I hate to, it, this, this is going to sound a lot like I'm all on Tesla. And there's no mistaking that they started this thing. Everybody is watching them. We can talk about it china is coming up in a big way in this space and they're actually the existential threat for all of the legacy car manufacturers globally including all the ford gm all the, anybody in europe they're all sort of watching out what China's doing but yeah to your point ota it's a terrible analogy it's been used a lot think of the car as a smartphone on wheels when the iphone came out about 2006 right everybody like lost their mind they're like oh my god where's the keyboard? Like, it's just a glass screen. This is either amazing or terrible. And it was a big sort of paradigm shift from a physical standpoint. But the actual biggest thing about the mobile phone, about what Apple did with the iPhone, was the App Store. iPhone comes out. A few months later, App Store comes out. A few months after that, they open it up. And then all these apps from third-party developers come in. And the thing I tell everybody is, there will be changes to the car that are coming that you can't even imagine, just as there was with the iPhone. You remember like, yeah. when, when you when you first got your, took your first Uber? I took my first Uber in like New York City. Think about how crazy that is. Blew up the taxi business. Blew up all of the ride, you know, it created a whole entire industry of ride sharing. That level of disruption is coming to cars. And yeah, I'm a little worked up. Getting kind of emotional now. I'm, I'm a little worked up about it. This is where, to, to bring it all the way back, I own I own a couple of 80s era cars. I love that stuff I got, I've shown I showed my Porsche at Lyku. like I get it. but there's so much more going on in the future space if you can get your head around it mm. and get out of your own way about what's coming for automotive because it's like the asteroid for the dinosaurs. It's gonna when this thing lands when so this it when this ship scares shift happens, you well it's, it doesn't scare me because luckily for me, like here's the other thing I tell people. EV, SDV, internal combustion. End of the day, we're Motor Trend. They're always going to be cars. Motor Trend turns seventy-five this year. We've been giving Car of the Year since year one. So mm-hmm. Car of the Year is our biggest, most famous award. Everybody knows it. We don't call it EV of the Year. We're not going to call it Software Defined Vehicle of the Year. Mm-hmm. End of the day, it's just a car. It's just a truck. No matter what powers it, no matter if it drives itself, it's still a car. So that's how I, That's that's how I see the world.
5: Do yeah. you feel like? that's going to change like car communities and totally like, car culture totally like how how does amelia do a youtube video about modifying a fully ev
7: yeah
5: like, yeah software updated car it's
7: a great question and i think the people who are thoughtful about evs and what's coming and still hate on them they go right to that point which is well I don't want a car to drive me, number one. So I don't right. want autonomous, which I get. Mm. And then there's this whole other issue of right to repair. You know, you go back to why are manufacturers so interested in going to EVs, right? What, what's the reason? It's not that they can charge a lot more money for them because actually that's a huge problem for the manufacturers. The issue is, end of the day, when you scale these companies and you and you're trying to sell cars across not just a country, but continents, different markets, It's way cheaper to run an EV. Mm. EV is a battery. It's a motor, some wiring, some software code. You know what you don't need? You don't need an emissions testing lab. You don't need to federalize a power plant for California, separate from the rest of the country, or for Europe. You can just sell one electric motor and a battery combination around the world. It doesn't emit anything. There are like ten times fewer parts in an EV than there are in a in an internal combustion equivalent.
6: Just to interject real yeah, yeah. quick, I and don't get me wrong, I'm like I'm I'm pro EV. I have no problem right. against them. I'm excited for the future of them. But I asked this question because I don't know. I have heard though that it is worse in the environment to Make the batteries and then dispose of them. Is that true?
7: So that's a that's a very complicated question. This will be a um, a topic to be debated in uh, the comment section uh, wherever this appears on on all on all platforms. The science is it depends a who you ask and and how big you want to take this question. First of all, there are there's a lot of incentives going on to develop the all the industries that surround electrification okay so uh for instance you mentioned battery recycling what happens at the end of the life in the batteries there are a ton of uses so when the battery let's say falls out of spec and it's uh you know it's only got like 80 percent of life left, that battery has a lot of other uses that battery could be used industrially you can put it into a house or a business it can be a storage battery Um, There are minerals and materials in the battery themselves that can be recycled. Mm. So one of the longtime executives at Tesla, this guy J.B. Straubel, he left Tesla. He was their CTO for many, many years. And he started a new company called Redwood uh, Materials. And they are looking into recycling these batteries at scale. Mm. How do we buy them all back? A lot of the major car companies, Toyota, tries to buy all their Prius batteries back because you can fundamentally reuse these items. Now, there are lots of people on both sides who will do the calculations and show you that if you do it this way, it's cleaner and it's cleaner by this much. Or the other guy says, No, but you know, you're not factoring that you gotta ship this material from here, or this one's gotta go from here here. My take on it is overall, I love internal combustion. We have been living in the golden age of horsepower. We have never had cars that are internal combustion cars that are more powerful, more efficient, cleaner. We want that same level of investment and evolution to take place with. <laughs> the entire process behind even hydrogen vehicles, but electric vehicles. I'd rather be on the cutting edge of this. I'm happy that we're doing it. It is a solution. Maybe it's not the best solution, but at least we're working towards the greater solution versus like, I just want to do the same thing we've been doing for the last, you know, 75 years. And that's cool. Mm, Not really.
0: Mm
5: -hmm. You know, I thought EV cars were going to be the end of car culture or enthusiasts. And I got to Opportunity to drive the Hyundai Ionic 5N. And then I got to write in their drift version of it too. And yeah. mm-hmm. first, I never thought these words would come out of my mouth that, well, this was the coolest car that I've ever driven in. And you forget that you're in an electric car. And it, it converted me like right away. And it was like, I couldn't believe like a Hyundai actually did it. Right. So I was like, well, you can modify this car. Like you could be an enthusiast and customize it. And yeah. I would say I car. would say
7: customize, not modify.
5: And well I mean,
7: e break. Sure, sure. I don't uh-huh. know that they're gonna I don't know if they're selling that. Well, at what no, point too, can you write yourself, your own code right?
6: for software updates? Right. But I think to your point, Sung, car culture is car culture. I don't just because the power plant changes, I don't think that's gonna, you know, I I'd like to believe it doesn't change anyone's love. For cars and and having them be more than just a a to b, you can personalize them right. and yeah. have a community around that.
7: No, so let me just because I I don't want to be unfairly painted as like this. Oh, he's just like this EV guy. Oh, he's always going to talk about EV. Like I totally get it. The existential threat for the community of car enthusiasts, as it currently stands, is that EVs present a level of potential sort of commodification, right? Like, what do we know now about EVs, about Teslas? Like, the, the, the fastest cars out there, it used to be a Tesla uh, Model S Plaid, right? Now it's this thing called the Lucid Air. A- uh, Lucid L- Air Sapphire mm-hmm. is the quickest and the most efficient vehicle. The, uh, Rimac-, the Rimac is, I think it is the quickest and possibly has the topsy record. Anyways, when you talk to people about, well, yeah, but, you know, they're quiet. They're fast. You drive around LA, everyone's in a Model Y. They all look the same. They're all painted white or black or silver. Like that is the fear. When all EVs are quiet and all EVs are fast, like who's going to care about yeah. trying to go faster, right? That, and I get that. I totally understand, right? And this is where the manufacturers are really going to be tested because then it comes down to how much is your brand actually worth? Yeah. How much is that story? When Ferrari, they said they weren't, they're probably going to have to. When they make a full EV, how are they going to set themselves apart, right? Mm-hmm. Is it just going to be the styling?
5: Because
7: mm. that's that's something that Ferrari's always had. Like, great style. Ooh, very sexy, right? Yeah. But if there's a car out there, if there's a Tesla that's quicker or almost as fast and it's a quarter of the price mm. how much do you really care I think that's where people are like this is why I don't want these EVs coming
6: well as far as we know in 15 years cars are flying so it's
7: supposed to happen we air just,
6: drifting it's going to be the new thing
7: <laughs> I. It's, it's not going to happen in the US first but it's definitely going to come in China we talked we just talked to a guy who said yeah end of this year uh, XPeng is this one of these Chinese companies that as they launched it at CES they showed this flying car
6: I they, saw it at CES yes yeah,
7: the one that had the fold out. Yeah, it looks like it. Basically, looks like a, a DJI Mavic drone uh-huh. scaled exactly up. That's exactly what it looks like. There's that one. The other one, which was way more mind blowing to me, because it looked it's six was it a six wheel version of it.
6: Okay.
7: It had the. It looks like a cool van, but the entire back section pops out, and it's a little personal helicopter for two people. What? Yeah. Oh, and,
6: I didn't see that. Yeah, and
7: that one is apparently going to be flying somewhere, probably in China, by the end of this year. They're already starting oh, wow. to take orders. The car, the six wheel car. Is a hybrid. The helicopter is electric, and the car chassis acts as the charging station. I mean, it's literally like what you can do with the drone. Wow. So you you pull up someplace, the back door opens, the thing
6: slides out. So you need a rotary license to fly that, which so, is expensive, and it's gonna not in be a China. Not in China. Demo.
7: <laughs> you just need to be rich.
5: Yeah, you just go, <laughs>
7: just go do anything. It. The question is, when is any any of this going to happen in the U.S.? And that's where I've been challenging everybody who talked to. I'm like, come on, they're like. 20 million things that have to happen before any of us are going to be able to, like, what are we going to do? We're going like, to like, just, up, oh, stopped in traffic on the 101. Let me yeah. just hit the boop and then take off. Like, no, like you can't, you just can't do that. So, yeah. at first,
5: uh, 10 people can do that. Right, right, right. <laughs> After that, it's like, nope.
7: Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, look, from a brand, Motor Trend has been covering flying cars literally for 75 years. So every like two years, we put a car, a, a flying car in the car. Saying, like, when is it happening? And it's like, I've always said it's gonna happen after the mid-engine Corvette. And you know, so here we are. So it's gonna happen pretty soon.
5: like perspective on life. Even I, I was reading this like article on you and okay. the interview you gave. Like you're one of the few people in my generation that is like pro social media. Hmm. Where does that perspective come from? Like how? Why are you so forward thinking, opposed to other old farts that are just like stuck in their ways? It's very
7: kind. <laughs> uh, I I hope that that's still true. I I have been with Motran for a long time. So I started at the company. I started the industry in 2000, 2001 at the little tiny, these, these import, uh, magazines in Orange County, but I, jo- I joined the company that's now Motor Trend in 2006 and officially at Motor Trend in 2007. Hmm. And, um, I was there, I saw, we used to be on, on Wilshire Boulevard in, uh, it was the Peterson publishing building and we shared offices with, um, the guys at Super Street. So this is a great story because you guys, you guys are enormous on Instagram the editor-in-chief of Superstreet at the time, Johnny Wong, he's a good good friend of mine, he's like, yo, 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 you got to check out this thing called Instagram. And I was using Hipstamatic, this camera app. I was like, you know, it filters. I'm like, cool, I like to take pictures.
5: Mm-hmm. You
7: know? so he's like, show me Instagram. I was like, all right, cool. And I was like, I couldn't figure it out. I'm like, what is, it? I don't know. Like, So you take a picture and you post it, like, who cares? Like, I was interested in the camera and the photography and the filter aspect. I did not understand the network, the social mm. networks out of it. Mm. So I slept on it. I was like, cool, not for me. I came back to it six months later because I heard something like, oh dude, Superstreet's like taken off. So then I put Motor Trend. I finally set up Motor Trend on Instagram. And two years later, Superstreet hit like a million followers and then two million and Motor Trend had like eighty thousand, And that was the difference in me sleeping on it and waiting six months. Wow. So, What I did learn, it's like, okay, any new social media platform that comes up, I'm all over it.
6: So do you, as an individual, think about the legacy you want to leave behind? Because you have this incredible, I'd say Motor Trend is a platform itself, but do you as a person, you're very forward thinking, you're working with a brand that is very forward thinking, do you have a legacy or stuff you want to leave behind for the next generation? Are you thinking about that? Not really. No. To be the yeast
5: starter.
7: Yes. The which ye- Yeast. The yeast? Uh,
6: yeah. The <laughs> sourdough
7: starter. No, I mean it's very flattering for you for you to say that. I mean, I I do think of myself as more of a steward of the seventy five year old brand. I was at, I was named editor in chief in two thousand eleven. We don't have that title anymore, but I've been with the brand in a leadership position basically since then. So it does really feel like uh, a part of me. And again, turning 75 this year and then thinking back, man, I've been with this brand for like 15 years. And it sounds hokey, but like, I want it to be successful for the next 75 years. Mm. We've already, we've gotten this point. It'd be great to, if somebody, if my, you know, my three-year-old son is, you know, Eighty, and he's like, "My dad used to work on that thing, you know, back when he was still alive. Now his head's in a jar, and I can ask him about what it's like." Oh God, you know, yeah, because <laughs> it's frozen, the and they've zapped
6: his brain <laughs> oh, to still work.
7: He's, we uploaded his consciousness to <laughs> to to the <laughs> to Skynet, and we can ask him what it was like to drive cars and when you put gas in them. I mean, right. you draw
5: them yourself. Like, how weird is that? And you almost went into snowboarding, right? Like you were... Wow, well, you read. You went deep. Yeah. Well, hey, I got to do my research for my guests. I did.
7: I I was uh I'm pretty into snowboarding in college.
6: Do you still snowboard?
7: I got some shoulder stuff, so I, I not as much lately. I'm trying to figure out this year whether we get the kid on the we're gonna get him on the snow, but are we gonna put him on ski? I learned skiing first, and mm-hmm. then I transitioned. Snowboarding came up when I was in high school. I was like, mm-hmm. Yeah, man, let's go snowboarding. Mm-hmm. So I did that, but yeah, I I done this program called Teach for America. That's my first job out of school. Taught high school in Pasadena, and coming out of that job, I applied for a program at Burton. They were doing a program called Chill, and it was teaching inner-city youth how to snowboard.
6: That's cool. And, That's chill.
7: Yeah, and exactly. And Teach for America <laughs> has that had a similar mission. It was all about, you know, going to underserved schools and teaching. So, like, you'd be perfect. This is year one of the program, and I remember I was talking to my dad about it, and I remember he, he I was, I was like, should I go do this job with uh, this publishing company, or should you go be like the snowboarder? And he's like. You went to college to be a snowboard instructor. (laughs) So I was like, eh. So, and ultimately it was ended up being the right decision. Although that, that chill program went on for
5: years. That statement from your dad actually made me laugh because I read that he said, they're both bad (laughs) clear options. (laughs) But this one as a publisher is better than the snowboarding one. Yeah, (laughs)
7: it's, it's funny. I mean, my dad means well. He still, I don't think (laughs) understands what I have done. Uh, he didn't for a long time. He was like, my kid's like a photographer of cars or something.
5: I read your dad had a 81 RX-7. The 81. F, F, that would be the FB? Yes. Yeah. That was, hey man, I remember seeing that car as a kid. That, yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, my neighbor had one. He would take me for rides. I was like, Yeah. you had to be a super cool dude and a real like out-of-the-box thinker to have that type of car in Georgia. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, and your what? dad had that. I'm gonna tell my dad that you, you
7: call him a super cool dude. But your mother,
5: <laughs> your mother even cooler because I read that she had a minivan, a Toyota party. That's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. The, Man, you had uh, the, the, the father of this car. I gotta right? figure out where you got <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah.
7: Well, my dad's a car- my dad was a cardiologist, and he was the first car- cardiologist in our town, little town of Camarillo. My parents moved there in the 70s. Actually, I was born in St. Louis, so my dad wooed my mom and said, come to America, right? And he brought her over. They, they, I mean, they've been in Hong Kong, but they moved her over here and he said, and she's like, this St. Louis is way too cold. We got to get out of here. So I want palm trees. Moved to California. And yeah, my dad's successful. He bought this RX-7. And this is like a great story because he bought it and it, everybody's first RX-7 in town. Everyone's was like, that thing's awesome. I'm like, yeah. And I remember, this is back in the day when I got a brother, older brother, younger sister. It's a two-seat car. And like, I'm sitting on the package shelf in the back, and my sister's in the footwell. My brother's strapped in the seat. We're driving around.
6: Jump in, kids. Exactly.
7: (laughs) And um, he said, though, inside of a year, that car developed a crack in the dash. And he's like, man, like, Japanese cars, man. still not there yet. So he sold it. And he told me he sold it for actually more than he bought it. The fast forward, though, and this, this part kills me because... He, I think it was someone around his midlife crisis era. He was like, I need to buy a cool a cool sports car. We were a Honda and a Toyota family. And so we had good connections with the Honda guy. The Honda dealership was like, hey man, I have this new car coming in. It's called an Acura NSX. You ooh, gotta check this thing out. Was, you know, 91. Like, I was like, oh man. My dad goes there and he looks at it. He's like, wow, this thing's really cool. I'm like, yeah, dad. I mean, I think we had gone and test drove like the Prelude too. I was like, this thing is awesome. I'm like, V-Check. this one with the digital, uh-huh. digital cluster, right? And he sat there, he looked at, he's like, this thing reminds me of that RX-7 I had. Like, you know what? That thing got a crack in the dash inside every year. I don't think they got it figured out. He went instead and bought a 87 911, like a 930 turbo. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Second owner, low miles. I was so mad. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> we could add it in a sex, <laughs> you know? They <laughs> got this German car, the round headlights. looks like a VW. Like, <laughs> like 930s back in, this was like mid-90s. They weren't that cool. It was like, mm-hmm. yeah, everybody. I mean, they were cool, but they weren't like their luft yeah. like right now right yeah and i still think about that because actually it probably saved me because i would have like snuck that car out or convinced my dad that i should have it and i would like slammed yeah. it and wrapped it around a tree or something like that
5: you know when i was on your show and i brought up the the sienna my love yeah. for the sienna, yeah johnny had such a like reaction to it huh
7: simple man child that
5: johnny yeah lived. he did not like that answer that i i love the sienna which the but the rest of the minivan owners in the world use that clip and actually (laughs) did i tell you i didn't tell you this i didn't get the opportunity so i was i was at this thing event and then this little asian woman walks up to me and she's like hey i just want to say thank you on behalf of toyota and i was like what she goes yeah i work in the sienna department (laughs) and so there's this clip of you on the, the inevitable show like going around Toyota for like bragging rights because you know we get no love. We're in that the cool department, and it's like Han loves the Sienna. It's like we just want to say thank you. <laughs> and I was like, you're, you're welcome. Like, people, yeah.
7: think a, people think it's a joke, but you got to respect the mission of the minivan, which is to deliver. Yes, sir. Maximum value. <laughs> oh man. Maximum <laughs> cargo and passenger carrying again? capacity. <laughs> That's maximum what I'm talking about. Efficiency. Yes, yeah, you know, sir. All of this in a package that is reasonably fun to drive, Uh safe, uh, has all the bells and whistles, passes the the NHTSA and the the IHS, (laughs) crash safety test. When you have that, and I do love a Sienna because it's got like the most amazing fuel economy. Yes, like, That's sir. a big problem. Uh, a lot of these things, you put all that package together and you, your your mileage goes uh, to hell. This thing does really, really well. 36 I
5: mean, miles a gallon. All day long. 18 too. cup
7: holders. 18 exactly, cup holders, baby. Exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I can't wait. And I'll just bring it all the way home one of these guys has to make send it off Ed they gotta gotta make the EV I'm just waiting for the EV minivan like that's it it's gotta be full electric like where is it let's do it it's coming I know oh for sure dual sliding doors can we just talk about how much time in your life you have saved with dual sliding doors oh yeah
5: and it's like motion yeah or you just
7: you hit the button your hands are full you come up to it it opens if you're listening at home and you are in a position where you can get your phone out, go to Instagram, just hit up the account van culture with a K. Yes. V A N K U L T U R E, van culture. It's like sickest rides. Sickest. Big wheel, airbags. Airbags. Dumped, <laughs> tucking. in. Dumped. It's amazing. Tucked. So I.
5: Van culture, baby. I'm all about it. With a K. Yeah. And I'm,
7: I just, I've got to play this whole segment for Johnny. He'll be vomiting on the floor.
5: <laughs> I never thought I would fall in love with the minivan. Yeah. Really. I like my whole life, I'm like, I would see. People driving a minivan or guys driving a minivan. I go castration. Like what's up with you, dude? And then I was hanging out with a, a high school baseball coach who drove a early model Sienna. Yep. And this guy, you know, was a super well respected man. I knew that he had money too, right? right? But he's just so understated. And he drove a Sienna and he had an early Tacoma, mm-hmm. right? And. And I asked him, I was like, hey, coach, what's up with this minivan? It's like, and he's like, hey, I can carry the team. It's mm-hmm. like, it's understated. It's like resale. I could sell it for probably 15 grand now. Yep. right? They last forever. It's like, wow, as I get older, you know, it's like I start looking at those attributes. Right. Like, It's something that I really respect. So when I had my nephew live with me, it was the excuse to get a minivan. And then I got a dog. And I was like, right. hey, I got a family, man. I need to get a minivan. And this is really hard to get. If you're listening, Amelia's not buying any of it. No, (laughs) I
6: know. Trust me. I know he is so into this. I've converted so many (laughs) people. He is so into this. He's he's trying to get me to buy a Sienna. You need to get a Sienna. (laughs) I get the appeal. To no, them, of like lives. you put a mattress in the back, no, it's like no, no. a home on wheels. You know, you How have do your privacy, I, you analogy? have your place How do I explain
5: to this. Like,
7: All you gotta say is, if you come arrive at a point in your life when you need to carry that many people and park in a in a reasonably sized parking spot or in a garage, but he he doesn't. I know, I know, but it's
6: a pure love for the minivan. It's they're comfortable. Again, I, I can't
7: speak enough about the dual sliding doors. Like I just love that so much. Yeah, like I would buy if there was a Ferrari <laughs> that, you had dual, had, that had dual sliding doors, I'd buy
5: it. I just don't think. <laughs> I don't. I don't think you're looking for like true like happiness in your life currently. <laughs> you're the, you like to be uncomfortable, right? Mine are the smiles
6: per gallon that <laughs> <Yes>. I get.
5: <laughs> but Santa has eighteen cup holders, though. Porsche 911 is like two. Like, yeah, I mean, if you're the lucky, earlier ones. You know, you're you're actually onto something, which is thank you. The
7: <laughs> vehicles like minivans, any of the American vehicles. What I love about this country is that we are so demanding and of, of the things we want. And a, a lot of the rest of the world goes, man, you guys are, what? Like, that's crazy. For the longest time, German car manufacturers were like, we're not gonna put a cup. We're not put a cup holder in a Porsche. Mm-hmm. If you're gonna drive this car, you're gonna drive it. Don't be big like, drinking stuff. So that's why the even when they did, they were terrible. These couples yeah. like pop out of the dash and they yeah. can't hold anything. They made it so it could hold a Red Bull because they like to drink Red Bull in Europe or in the skinny can, but yeah. it, they, everything else will like fall out. The Lamborghini
6: yeah. has an $8,000 cup holder upgrade. Right, right. That's like,
7: <laughs> yeah. that's the total so FU useless. move, right? Yeah. Like America, we're like, uh
5: uh-uh, uh. Need big gulp.
7: Bro. Yeah, we want, I wanna <laughs> yeah. put this giant thing in here. I wanna put my purse or this big bag underneath it. like. We we do we'll put like 18 USB ports everywhere. Right. Like the customers always right.
5: That's America. That's
7: America.
5: <laughs> uh I have two questions for you. Okay. One, you were a teacher for two years, science yeah. teacher. Yep. High school, right? Yep. Public school? Yep. What did you learn from your time as a teacher that has helped you throughout life or in your other careers? I don't think teachers get enough credit, first of right. all, in America, especially right. public school teachers. Yeah. Yep. You know, they are the foundation of, right. of America, of, yeah, of, of yeah. this country. I mean, yeah. what, did you, what was the takeaway for you?
7: So, good question. So, just to, to some context, I, did a pro, I went to USC, so I went to school locally here in LA, and I was a science major, and uh, in school, one of my uh, jobs was I was an SAT uh, tutor. Mm. So, I was pretty good at teaching kids. So I ended up teaching at Pasadena.
6: Pasadena High.
7: Pasadena High School, home of the Bulldogs. <laughs> uh, red and white, great school. I was a volleyball coach. I was the Asian American club. We started an Asian American club. We did. I did help through the yearbook. I was taking pictures. And the takeaway was, it was the hardest job I've ever had. Mm. Again, California public schools, are, I think are better. Back of the day, it's pretty rough. The start of the year, I had 55 students in a class, mm. 55. Mm. Maybe seats for 45 to 50. So kids were sharing seats. The textbook we were teaching from was as old as the kids. So wow. it was, wow. the kids were born in 81. The textbook was published in 81. No they were sure. showing pictures of a computers, like room-sized computers. One day you'll have a computer <laughs> that you can use. And I was like, these kids are like, what, what is this, right? <laughs> and uh, so under-resourced. And you, you know, and it's high school. So it was 55 kids every 55 minutes they'd switch over. Wow. And I'm 22 years old. And I was teaching three of my classes were juniors and seniors. So I'm teaching kids who are four years younger than me, and I look like them. And I was getting stopped by like high school, the security. They're like, um, where's your pass? I'm like, yo, I, I, got, I put a tie on and I tucked my shirt in. Like, I'm just going to get a bite, man. The, the teacher's cafeteria. So hardest job I've ever had. Everything else after that was a piece of cake. So I think I learned work ethic. I learned how to speak in front of a lot of people and wing it like a lot. So that's where I get the gift of gab. And a couple guys are in the industry. They're they're like, oh man, Mister Lowe, you were at. Uh, remember, I was at PHS. I'm like, yeah. It's like, dude, one dude works at like Toyota Connected. He works for their new their software defined vehicle division. He was like uh-huh. as a student in my in one of the clubs. I was an advisor on. So
5: yeah. So this question, it's a deeper question. Mm. I read that you know your your mother passed away mm-hmm. when you were young, pretty young, right after college, uh, senior you year was, in college.
7: So I was 22. Right. Yeah. How did
5: you deal with that?
7: the weirdest thing i did was immediately afterwards i immediately got interested in i had some stamps lying around and mm. i just organized them all in a in a stamp album i spent like two weeks just that was which i sit down and just organize these stamps and they're from all over They're from hong kong and stuff and i still have that stamp album and i don't know why i did it but that's that was sort of the most direct thing i can tell you the rest of it i mean i thought a lot about it over time i thought first of all death is obviously it's a it's, it's a fact of life it's going to happen um i have some friends that have either just gone through that with a parent or are about to and the only thing i can tell them that i've told them in, to in counsel is um, don't rush any part of the of the process especially after it happens so you know for me i think we all kind of went back to what we were doing and we were so young at the time you know we were my, my sister was in college i was just graduating my brother was like 2 years out and I mean, I remember for me, it happened about two months before I graduated from college. So I told them, all my professors, I'm like, hey, uh, it's a sudden illness. My mom's really sick, so I'm going to have to be, bail from classes. And then she passed. And then a couple of weeks later, I went back and I took my finals. And I remember one of the the counselors was like, you know, you don't have to do this. You can... Come back in a year. You can come back in two years. Take as much time as you need. I'm like, that's cool. I just took it. And then I went and started this teacher training program. And then I was teaching high school like four months later. And I look back at that time and I'm like, man, like, didn't have to rush any mm. of that. Could it take gap years or a thing? Could have taken a year off? Everybody would have been okay with it. Every You tell any program, like, yo, man, parent died. I would like to take some time. Mm. They'd be like, cool, man. Just let us know. Like, that. these mechanisms are in place everywhere. So that's what I tell people. I'm like, if this is happening, this is, these are major life events. Don't don't diminish it. Just accept it, deal with it, and when you're ready, move
5: on. Do your thing. Great advice. Thanks, Ed. I yeah, appreciate Thanks for it. driving all the way from Redondo. Redondo. That's right. Now, no problem. The traffic's crazy for you
7: guys.
6: He'll take day. the four hundred five to the one hundred one for us any day.
7: Exactly.